Hello, hello, and welcome to Review 2. This week we're Review 2-ing Actung Baby, Covered. Brace yourselves. Snow Patrol. Nine Inch Nails. Depeche Mode. Garbage. Awful X Factor versions. They walk that line so, so wonderfully well. I think this version really fits. It took me three seconds to love this song. Well, Johnny, we're back uh, in the studio after quite a long time. This is the, probably the, the bonus episode we kind of teased and didn't really know if we were going to do it. So, yeah, thanks for sticking around, and um, I hope you're going to enjoy this new episode. Uh, where we're going to be covering technically not a U2 album, but no. very to do with U2 and where they're at at that point in the career, I think. Yeah, and I guess some people might be wondering why haven't we been a bit louder on the whole, you know, the singles coming out, Best Thing About Me, Blackout, all that kind of stuff. And essentially, we want to do that review as an album review, I think. So it will be coming when the album turns up. But for now, we thought there's no point in just doing bits and bobs. Let's do that properly when it happens. Yeah, I think I think also I want uh, to enjoy Songs of Innocence. Um, I want to enjoy that release. Experience. Yes, I keep doing that all the time. Um, Songs of Experience. I want to enjoy the release of it, and I want to listen to it as an album. And I have noticed recently with artists, when there's a song coming out, it's like they bring a new song out every single week up until Hmm. the the album comes out. And it kind of ruins the album, doesn't it, a little bit? Yeah, well, I think you know it's the result of the death of singles. So how else do you promote it? Well, you just keep giving them more and more stuff for free. But I'm someone who enjoys buying an album. Yeah. And experiencing that album, no, no pun intended. So that's why we're being a bit quiet. But we will do songs of experience as soon as we possibly can. I think it comes out December the first. That's what we've been told. Um, but I remember I listened back recently to the um, songs of innocence review, and our predictions about you know and the kind of news that we were getting from the very very broad YouTube camp said, oh, it'll be coming soon, it'll be coming soon. So I never want to say, oh, it'll definitely turn up on that date. I think it's been advertised and it's probably been uh, manufactured now, mm. I would imagine. I don't know how long it takes to manufacture that many albums, but I, w- I would imagine it's being done or has been done already. So well, If the edge has been locked up successfully and removed away from the mixing board, then that's fine. Yeah. So, so, yeah, so regardless, we'll be with you in uh, in December and hopefully we'll be able to get that album done pretty quickly. So for now, we've got a nice filler episode. (laughs) All killer, no filler on the Review 2 podcast. Yep. So, we sent out a tweet asking people, what's your favourite cover of a U2 song? Should artists aim for a humble tribute or for total reinvention? And we were pleased to get lots of responses to this. And I think the responses get to the heart of the uh, that old dil- dilemma with cover versions. Essentially, do you want to do a song that is humble, respectful to the original, and possibly suffers from a lack of boldness? Or do you want to make something completely your own and risk kind of spilling over into distortion or messing up the song or just going so far away from it that it's unrecognisable? We got a few responses. So, at Tree in the Sun said, I find it better for any artist to reinvent themselves. Just be inspired by such a grand band as you 2 And Mark Watson, you two, uh, sorry, Review 2 listener, said, 
Lots of acting, baby. Patty Smith, Until the End of the World, Gavin Friday, of course, Jack White, Love is Blindness, top stuff. So, Mark Watson basically sniffed out what we were doing quite early on, yeah. and that is we're going to be reviewing the cover album. I mean, there was a thin veil over what we were doing anyway. Very thin. I was going to tweet the uh, the magazine cover yeah. from Q, as a, and you know, then people go, oh, oh, what's he doing that for? Oh. Oh, I wonder what's going on there. Mm. Um, but we didn't even need to do that. We got we got completely rumbled. Yeah, um, which is fine. So this was an album uh, that was put together for the twentieth anniversary of Acton Baby, but we're going to use it to celebrate the twenty sixth anniversary <laughs> of Acton Baby. Oh uh, yeah, because twenty fifth would be just a little bit too conventional. Yes. <laughs> no, I, no, I agree. I think that works well. Um, so yeah, originally um, released for that 20th anniversary of Acton Baby, but also it was to mark uh, Q Magazine's 25th anniversary at the at the same time. Mm-hmm. So kind of a, a double a double anniversary. And Q and U2 have always had a pretty good relationship. I think I would always go to Q, um, you know, pre-internet to buy to buy news essentially about the band and what they were doing, things like that. Yeah. So, where are we? Well, it's November 2011, and as we've just said, Q Magazine commissioned a collection of brand new recordings, uh, that, which they entitled Actung Baby Covered. Again, marking the 20th anniversary of U2's radical album Actung Baby, as well as the 25th anniversary of Q Magazine. Q Editor-in-Chief Paul Rees has said he believes the album sets a new and higher benchmark for the growing popularity of free CDs. <laughs> now, it's six years on. Mm-hmm. How popular do you think free CDs are right now? I don't know. Well, that benchmark is very high. Um, um, I think some of our younger listeners, not to be patronising, will be thinking, what's a, what's a free CD, basically? Yeah, but it, it continues. Okay. Uh, not only in the sense that each of the tracks are brand new recordings by some of the biggest and most iconic names in music, such as Depeche Mode, Nine Inch Nails, and Patti Smith. Mm. But also in that several of them mark the first new material we have heard from these acts in a long time. Those such as The Killers, Damien Rice, and Garbage. This is an entirely appropriate way to mark Q's anniversary and that of Acton Baby, one of the most pivotal albums of our lifetime. Yeah, and can't agree. I can't disagree with that last point. No, and I mean, especially I was just going to add, and it's a very pivotal album for me because it's my favourite album, as has been said on this podcast numerous times. Um, I can't remember where it was in my top ten, so I think it wasn't high enough. I, I think is what I thought. Yeah, I I fear that the same thing for that. Yeah. So um, my first question, Tyler, is, did you get this when it first came out? Yeah. Yeah, um, this was at a time when uh, I was in university, um, and uh, <laughs> it sounds it sounds really bad when I talk about this time now because it was I was just going into my second year of university. Um, I was drinking a liter of gin a day. A liter. A liter of gin a day. That... Just imagine that. How are you not hospitalized? I know, and I, I I still turned up to all my lectures. I felt I felt rubbish, but I. I still turn up to all my lectures, so that it's just it's just crazy looking back at the time, and now when I look back at the music I was listening to, it's very morbid music, you know. Um, mm, unsurprisingly, it's like it's Nina Simone and it's Nick Cave and um, mm. 
dark Peter Gabriel and things things like that. <laughs> and it's um so dark like, Peter Gabriel. But when I when I look back and now when I look back at it, I go, God, that 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 doesn't sound good. But I felt like I was having a great time at that point. But I wasn't listening to a lot of a lot of you too because it's 2011. Mm. Uh, 360 tour, I think, had just about come to an end. Or if it hadn't, it was it was nowhere near us. Yeah, and you're reeling from the release of No Line on the Horizon, your worst album. Yeah, so um, it came at a time where I'd really left you two alone, and I didn't feel like there was a lot going on in the U2 camp at that point. Obviously, in a different part of the world, it might have been a, a very, very different scenario. Yeah. But at that time, uh, I remember walking into the newsagents at university, and um, strangely enough, you two were playing, which is always strange. Bit of a small venue for them to play at. But, <laughs> but it's always strange to hear you two on the radio. Uh, I felt I, I heard um, the best thing the other day in Tesco, and I felt this is weird. Yeah. Because I don't remember hearing you two on the radio for ages. No, no it's it, the best thing has been played a lot, which mm. which is good. Well done, Tesco Radio. Um, but this was 2011, so to hear you two on the radio then was very strange indeed. I can't remember what song it was, but I just it was like this. Um, it was almost a religious moment where you just like you look over and you see the magazine there because I knew nothing about it, mm. and I saw the magazine with Acton Baby and I and I and I bought it and I was really excited to go home and listen to it you know actually buying a cd yeah and even in 2011 i think that was a strange thing to do yeah and becoming rapidly stranger yeah so there were songs on this album that really became quite pivotal at that time uh and i i've rediscovered songs like ultraviolet um and who's gonna ride your wild horses which i probably hadn't listened to properly since i was about 14 15 yeah, because you haven't got the same relationship of, uh, with Acton Baby that I do, have you? Because I, it's basically been a constant for me, whereas you seem to dip in and out of it, I would suggest. I would say that Acton Baby is half a good album. What? That is ridiculous. There, there is, you know there are songs that I uh, don't like on Acton Baby, but there are mm. some of those songs which I, again, rediscovered. And change my opinion because of this album. Okay, but I want to say there's there is not half about even if you're not a massive fan of that because I know which songs you don't particularly like, mm-hmm. and we'll get around to that. But I would say, and I have said many times that um, No Line on the Horizon that's half a good and half a bad album. You see, I disagree with that. Uh, well, so, well, maybe we'll never agree about this. Um, but I think I think over seventy five percent of Acton Baby for anyone is great. I love Acton Baby for what it does and what it symbolises. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are they're, they're, not that they're bad songs they're just not to my taste alright fine I will accept that apology yeah. so um, <laughs> so let's talk about cover versions in general then just a little bit before we get stuck into the album review if that's alright Tyler uh, yeah well funnily enough still around this this uh, time period mm-hmm. uh, I discovered an album I think it was a new album at the time it was by Tangerine Dream called Undercover Yep. where Tangerine Dream cover a variety of, of artists, some very surprising artists, actually. Um, and I would recommend people to go and look at that. Yep, and, and, if, pro- and probably listen to it as well. If we have a little bit of a break, I'll get it up. <laughs> oh, promises, promises. Amuse yourself at home, listeners. Do, 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 do. 
That's Jean-Michel Jarre, isn't it? I mean, not completely in key, but it's it's him. <laughs> okay, so the Tangerine Dream, uh, the Tangerine Dream track is called Under, yeah, Undercover, uh, and it's got covers of bands like REM, uh, Depeche Mode, David Bowie, Kraftwerk. Uh, what was that guy who did Wicked Game? Um, I always, I always can. Is it Isaac Hayes or Chris Hayes? Is it, Isaac Hayes is the guy from Robin Hood Men in Tights, isn't he? Uh, I, I, I don't know. Maybe. Isaac Hayes is a chef, isn't he? From I don't South think Park. so. Is he? Oh, right. I thought you meant he was a chef. Um, <laughs> well, just did the catering. Yeah, this is like really stretching the realms of my knowledge. Okay, so what's the, what's the point? Uh, the, well, these are the bands that are covered. Uh, you've also got Hotel California on the... Um, and that song Forever Young, it was a you know who wants to be uh, youth group. Is it youth group? Uh, is it I want to be Forever Young. Yeah. It's been a while since I've listened to this album, but I, I really really enjoyed it. Hallelujah is also on there, and Iris by the Goo Goo Dolls. But Tangerine Dream covered the songs, yep. as if they were the songs. Yeah. So they kind of throw away the rule book and go, okay, how would we have performed this song if we'd written it? Yeah. And I think. That was the bench, uh, the benchmark, or the measuring stick mm. for me with Achtung Baby covered. Okay, no, it makes sense. So you're more in the side of let's make it completely your own. There's no point just doing it if you're going to try and faithfully recreate that sound. Yeah, it's like when someone brings out a new Unchained melody. Oh God! You know, and they're they're all the same. They're all so interchangeable. Yes. I'm pretty sure you could remix them all together and no one would even realise. And I would say that U2's version suffers that problem as well. I know I've reviewed that before, but I don't think that's a particularly good version. It no, feels I very like, X-Factory. I like... I, I really do like that. As, mm. And I like uh, the Everlasting Love. That's good. That's yeah, a good example of U2 covering you know, other, people's art, uh, other, other people's music. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm, I think that it changes depending on every single cover version so i don't think there's a hard and fast rule a few people brought up johnny cash's version of one including a uh, tree in the sun who said my favorite cover of a u2 song is johnny cash singing one the best ever bless him so i would agree with that um and that's a very simple version to be honest not really reinventing the wheel as such and that is how i play one when uh, i play one on guitar You'd have to put some gravel through your throat to get that. No, but that's sound. you know, you know, with the guitar, just yeah. just in terms of guitar, that's the rhythm I go for. Uh, I, I do think that's very, it's a very raw kind of performance, and that version was kind of uh, an intro to Johnny Cash for me as well. For a lot of people, I think definitely. Um, partic- particularly because I I was into U two first, and and then I'd obviously heard Hurt and Ring of Fire and mm. a lot of other stuff, but. Through one, I I just I gained access to a wealth of of Johnny Cash, and you know that went on to Willie Nelson and um, the Highwaymen, and then the Traveling Wilburys, and it's just it's just a great from from that one song. Yeah. In my mind, I have a very clear track of discovering new music. That's one of the best things about cover versions, isn't it? Really, all those connections that you can make. Uh, I I wish I could say that the idea behind cover versions was that noble. Yes. I think I was very lucky to have that experience from Johnny Cash's version of one. 
not that I'm saying Johnny Cash could do a bad version of anything, but mm. um, I, I think you know it's more luck than anything else that that happened with me. Yeah, I think one of the things about that version, and maybe this is one of the things that I think you could say is a really important feature of a good covers version, regardless of whether it is a complete deconstruction or something quite simple, is I feel that the person has to have listened and understood that original meaning in the song. And whether they reproduce that or they swerve away from it, I think it's you can tell when someone has really got into a song listened to it, took the meaning from it, and thought, what do I think about that? And as we go through these songs, I think there are some that definitely do that, and there are some that, frankly, are like awful X Factor versions. Not many, but some. The difficult part that I was very aware of when I sat down to review this in particular album was that within Actung Baby... There is a lot of reinvention and there's a lot of um, upbeat energy. Yep. But the, there's an equal amount of heartbreak and sorrow and insecurity. Yep. Um, and danger because this could have been the end of you too. Yeah, there's an abandon to it, I guess. Um, so there is that 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 idea or that feeling of is this the end of the road? You know. Mm. Everything kind of hinged on Acton Baby. Yeah. Um, so to re- try and recreate these songs and still incorporate or still keep those mm. those themes. Especially there, now the album's considered a real classic. No one re- would argue that it's a massive, you know, it's a huge statement in U2's career. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, it, whether you're talking in terms of you. Uh, just U2's career, or you're talking in terms of music over the past 50 years, yeah. Act Tongue Baby is a seminal album. Yeah. It, it is up there, and it will always be mentioned. And in a lot of ways, um, I think it deserves a little bit more respect than Joshua Tree. Yeah, I do as well. It's a better um, album, in my opinion. And uh, it, it kind of makes me sad when... Pe- when because I I have friends who have started listening to you too because I've been doing this podcast because I just so I just happen to talk about the podcast quite a lot. I'm a very boring man, <laughs> so you know, and, and and I feel a little bit. I feel like I've done them a disservice when I talk to them after a few months. and go, oh, so you you know you still been listening to you too? What's your what's your favorite album now? And they go with Joshua Tree, and I'm like, mm, you know, you're not quite getting it yet. <laughs> you know, there's there's still so much more. Yeah. Um, and I can't, I can't seem to sell people on pop, and I don't know why. Uh, everything I like about pop, people don't seem to like. But that's fine. It's nice to have yeah. something that people don't like. Uh, but you know, Acting Baby. I think it really, it, it may be U2's most important album. But I seem to say that a lot. Hmm. Um, maybe I, I just can't see the the forest for all the trees, all the Joshua trees. Well, hey, well, <laughs> on that bombshell. Shall we take a trip on the zoo station line? Choo-choo! Like that. So, from innocence to experience, run for the covers as we review two Achtung Baby covered. Track number one, zoo station, covered by Nine Inch Nails. I think one thing that we should probably do as we go through this review, Tyler, is state whether we are already fans of the band 
covering the song or not. Okay, one question. Are we in 2011 or 2017? <laughs> uh, that's a good point, actually. Um, I think I think we should just give a general idea of our general vibe towards that band or not. I mean, if anything, in the last six years, I've just become more set in my ways. <laughs> um, so I, d- I doubt the answer will change. But I, yeah, yeah, we can, we can, we can say. I, mean, I just feels. I think it, it does have an impact. So, in this case, I was already a fan of Nine Inch Nails. I've seen them live. Um, listened to a lot of their albums. Where did you see them live? At the Manchester Apollo. It's very good, very good oh, show. Right. Um, very intense. Which I guess brings on me onto my first point, which is. As a fan of the band and knowing how heavy they can be and that industrial sound that they've got, I was expecting this to be Zoo Station with, you know, turn up to 11, let's take all those industrial elements and really emphasise them. However, I think they really cleverly swerved in the opposite direction. They went onto a different line, you might say. (laughs) And um, I was pleasantly and genuinely surprised by this version. Um, It's almost, I would argue, a bit more like a Zoo Roper version of this song because it's very close in the in the ears you've got Trent almost whispering through it um and it's a lot more staticky rather than stadiumy if you see what i mean yeah um so i think this is great i think it's a it's a brilliant ar- arrangement it's a good take on the original um and there's a real power to it and a real subtlety to it all the way through what are your thoughts yeah i think you're right with the the Zuropa comparison because uh the verses in particular Right at the start, yeah. Uh, it, I think they really seek to deliver that, that that idea of the you know the sensory overload that we talk so much about mm. in that early '90s period of U2. Uh, particularly audio overload. There's a lot going on, yeah, and it's not unpleasant, and it can be unpleasant sometimes. It's like a nice bed of white noise that you can just you know curl up into. There's just a lot of layers. Yes. If you're going to use like a bed metaphor, I'd say it's like jumping on a mattress, but you just keep sinking down and down and getting more and more comfortable, you know. Until you die. It, it, it just it just kept going, and it, it was a track that I, I think kept on giving. By the time the chorus hits with that, you know, that high pitch, I can't, I can't do it because I'm not listening to the track, but um, the backing vocals. Yep. You are, it's quite seductive, and you're kind of ready to surrender to the track and let, yep. it, let it take you where you want to go. There's um in that that whispering that's all the way through it. I think it's it's really good. There's almost like a submerged quality. It's building on what you were saying about you know going deeper into those layers. Um, so by the time we get to the all right bit, um, you just have Trent just whispering, you know, really quietly like all right, all right, that kind of thing. It's it's really strange. Nine Inch Nails are very good with doing the uh, the industrial, mm. but sexy. Kind and those two ideas, if you just think about them, they really contrast in your mind. Yeah, but there's it, little seductive about a factory it, line. You'll know if you're a, if you're a Nine Inch Nails fan that they they walk that line so mm. so wonderfully well. Yeah, and this this is a very seductive version of this song. Um, there's a really nice touch when um, Trent delivers that almost pivotal line: "Your face pressed up against the glass," um, and they just put a bit of reverb on the last bit. And all I could think about when he says glass and that word um, kind of has a reverb on it is it's almost like, you know, breath on a window pane, like mm. on a train window when, it, when it's cold. And it's so good, like little touches like that all the way through just make it great. You see, what I imagine, like, uh, if you think of the tube in London and those rammed trains at yeah. rush hour, someone's face, you know, literally crushed up against glass. <laughs> it's almost a comic image in my head. Yeah. But even though they create that image in my head, it's not funny. 
I feel mm. for that person. I don't. I'm not seeing it from the other people's point of view. Yeah. Um, it'd be very funny if you stood on the platform and witnessing it, but to actually be that person, horrible, horrendous, uh, really claustrophobic kind of feeling. Mm, that's why I don't live in London. Um, I'd love to live in London. Mm-hmm. Um, but by as I say, it's got that intimate, sexy sounding thing, and it, and it it just explodes at the same time. It's mm. I, I'm so contradicted with my review of this because I feel two starkly different emotions all the way through it yeah but i do think brian eno and the edge would have been very happy with this version yeah definitely all those little you know the down 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 little keyboard touches that come in later on as well really really light all the way through and i was expecting think when i first heard this okay they're going to do this for about a minute or so and then we'll have all of that noise rising and then we'll get a huge industrial drum beat coming in never arrives it's just incredible and it's nearly six minutes thirty. This version, it's never dull. There's never a dull moment in it. Yeah, this may and uh, this line that I've put here may be the most uncool sentence I've ever written for a review. Well, there's a lot of contenders on this show, but go uh, on. I'm literally being transported to an alternate universe where this is the real Actung baby. <laughs> I mean, I... no, I felt that at the hmm. time when I wrote it, and I and and I can't disagree with that. But reading it now it does make me cringe a little bit. Literally. Literally transported. Yeah. Oh, I, I hate it when you see somebody on the news and and they've witnessed a car crash or a murder or a robbery or something like that, and you just, just got some old upper class woman going, "I was literally frightened to death." Yeah. It's like, well, you wouldn't be here if that was the and case. It really makes me shout at my TV screen. <laughs> That's why I don't watch the news much. Well, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> on to the next one. Here we go with track two. It's even better than the real thing. It says it says by you two, mm. but it's the Jacques Lecomte mix. Mm-hmm. Um, Apparently, he's not even French. No, he isn't. But before that, am I the only person looking at, at this CD track list thinking, strangely, that I feel a bit ripped off that you two are on it? You are not alone in that because this really irritates me as well. I think track number two, we're back to the two. You two, mm. and what's the point in that? Yeah, if it was the last track and they'd really reworked Love is Blindness or something yep. like that, then I, I would understand because you've got everybody else kind of yeah. supporting them and then you two are headlining. Yeah, so that's a, that's a nice way of thinking which, about it. Which would have been great. But track number two... It's outrageous. Yeah, and, and this is a great version as well. That's also annoying because it's such a good version. I, I would put this up there with, with my general you know but list of am good I supposed remixes. to be happy that you two gave such a great version of this away for free? I, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to feel and what I do feel is non just irritation. Yeah. Um I, I yeah, I I don't know, it's it's sort of like well, this is a bad analogy, but say you've gone for a really, really good curry, right? And you're in between courses, and then someone brings in a really good bolognese, and you think, this is weird, I don't want bolognese now, I want curry, because that's what I'm signed up for. It's not that I dislike bolognese, it's that this doesn't work here, so put this somewhere different. I just Bring me the Dialfrazi, thank I, you very much. I've never understood people ordering two or three courses at an Indian. I, I, I have never finished a main course at an Indian. Uh, I have, but I always regret it. 
I have had some very uncomfortable nights, you know, writhing in pain because I've eaten too much <laughs> at, at an Indian. Well, there we go. Um, but do you see what I mean? Like this, this version, this cover. I think the image I created though wasn't the image I was going for. No, not at all. <laughs> um, but yeah, the solo's really good on this. I love the fat, and that's with the PH bass that's all the way through it. And there's even a bit of Larry style drums that come in at the end. So yeah. I like this song. I can analyze it. Um, but it shouldn't be on this version. And considering how many million remixes are, there are of this. This is a song that is ripe for something completely different. I want to hear an interesting, low-key acoustic version of this. You know, give me a give me a bassoon version of this. You know, anything. Um, well, let, let's yeah. Well, uh, Jacques Leconte, whose real name is Stuart Price. Yep. Uh, and I will refer to him as Stuart Price from now on, uh, for obvious reasons. Um. <laughs> He's best known for his work with Madonna, The Killers, New Order, and your girl, Kylie Minogue. She's not my girl. Um, um, you saw her live. No, I didn't. I, I would love to. I thought you and, and your dad went watching <laughs> Is that not true? You've got an, an idea of me and my over 60-year-old father going to watch Kylie Minogue yeah, I together. thought you two went watching, uh, w- w- watching Kylie about 10 years ago. I think that was James Taylor. You're thinking of James Taylor. <laughs> was he the one who was in Neighbours? I don't watch Neighbours. It's a joke, because Kylie was in Neighbours. Uh, oh, God. Right. <laughs> so no, I... I need a new podcast co-presenter, because this isn't working for me anymore. Go on, get on with it. Um. Oh, and the Pet Shop Boys, of course. My guys. <laughs> Are you laughing at your own notes? Uh, no, I'm laughing at what I just said, Um, for no reason. Uh, I... I I think this has some mainstream pop appeal. Uh, and it's a mainstream pop appeal that you, many U2 remixes just don't have. Mm. Uh, and I, I I could see the comparisons with the likes of Madonna uh, and, and Kylie Minogue and the Pet Shop Boys. Less, to a lesser extent, the Killers and, and New Order. But particularly that drum and bass, you, this would this would fit in a, in a club setting. It would do, definitely. It's a shame that no DJ ever anywhere will ever play U2. Yeah, I've been laughed at for even suggesting as, as, as the very I, idea of that. As have I. I think if um, both myself and you and all the other Review 2 anoraks, mm-hmm. uh, every time they go in the club, just for the hell of it, re- request U2. Yeah, fair enough. And let's start a trend and let's get U2 finally played. Let's get Miami played at 12 o'clock in the centre of Manchester or London. Yeah, my, uh, Miami would be a great a great track to play to clear out the place at 6 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's my only real criticism of this song is that it, it could be a little bit shorter. Yeah, I guess remixes are always a bit long, aren't they? I think I think the real version of Even Better Than The Real Thing is only 4 minutes 40, something like that. Yeah. And this goes on for 6 plus minutes. No need. Again, it's unnecessary at the start of this album. You're not going to sit down. I think many people will skip past this song. Who? Uh... So going back to the uh, the, the start of uh, this this song review, uh, who would you like to have done this instead? Um, well, a I wouldn't have had a dance version because we've to be honest we've got loads of them we don't need any more. Uh, good question. You put me on the spot there a little bit. Um, can I ask who you would before I answer? Well, I sat there for a good fifteen minutes trying to think about this, mm-hmm. and I had only one band came to mind that I thought could do a, a real good uh, 
original version. Can I guess who it is? Yep. Catfish and the Bottleman? No. Uh, Ramstein? No. <laughs> um, go on. Arcade Fire? Ah, uh, yeah. That would really fit in with the current uh, vibe. I mean, yeah. I would actually say, to be honest, I like Arcade Fire, but I think they've ripped quite a few ideas yeah, off the TV recently. If you like 90s U2... You'll love what the what Arcade Fire are doing right now. I I've seen the the stage set yeah at, at the minute and it's very pop mart. I've had people who don't like you two sort of gush about how great they're like Arcade Fire. They're doing this thing. It's all about sensory overload and TVs yeah. and they're wearing mirror ball stuff. I'm thinking, hmm, yeah, interesting. They're, they're wearing gold lame suits. Uh, yeah. Win Butler enters through the audience. Yep, and like, and on the screen it comes up, you know, like a news broadcast. They had and big it, heads and in the shaking hands video. with people. Yep, and it's very so. In that you've got the Pop Mart entrance, you've got McFisto, you've got Mirrorball Man, uh, where, you know, sh- shaking hands and reflective video. They did the big heads things, like literally ripped it off. Yeah, Bono was in the video. Uh, that was here comes the night time, but yeah. All oh, right, but with, yeah, same thing with Ben Stiller. So, yep. Um, but yeah, Arcade Fire. I mean, I'm, me. I'm okay with it, but people should be aware of that though. Have footnotes on your concerts. I think oh, I think Arcade Fire have done something really clever though. They could, you know, they it's something that not a lot of people talk about these days. People do not talk about Pop Mart. We do constantly, mm. but outside of this room, no one talks about <laughs> Pop Mart. And Arcade Fire have gone. You know what? That was effing great. Let's steal that and let's and let's make a, a lot of money. So, mm. fair enough. So, if any of the band are listening, could you please submit your cover version of this song to us and we will happily play it on the podcast free of charge. We don't mind promoting your music, Arcade Fire. Just hand us that cover version when you finish doing it. Cheers, bye. And if you want, we will accept free concert tickets because I tried to get tickets for your show and failed miserably. <laughs> okay, next song. One covered by Damien Rice Um, I'm not really a fan of Damien Rice Um, he's never massively appealed to me and that's not his fault I don't think it's my fault either I just don't particularly like his style it's a bit off kilter I also don't even like the way he plucks his guitar it's weird I just I don't know it riles me for some reason and I don't like the way the piano is done in this either Um, so I, I was not primed to like this version at all the only time I ever hear Damien Rice's name is in connection with this song. Right. Or, or you too. I think he turned mm. up at a, um, you know, the Grafton Street Christmas thing they do every year. Yeah, the Buskin. Yeah, I think he turned up there once with, and Bono often turns up there. Yeah. I don't know how often. But it's he, a bit of a tradition, I think. Yeah, he does, he does show up with Glenn Hansgard. Um, I'd go just for Glenn Hansgard, personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if Bono was there, it'd be a bonus. But yeah, like, uh, Damien Rice to me doesn't seem like somebody who has his own identity. And oh, outside of One and the album O, yeah, I was going to say that was a big hit. At the I time. have no idea. I never hear about him. I never. I don't have any friends who go. Oh, I just got the new Damien Rice album. Mm. There's a couple of tracks on there you'll like. <laughs> um, it just doesn't happen. Uh, maybe oh. that says more about my social circle than than. I think a lot of people are committed to him, but he's hardly a, a, an A-lister on this, particularly on this album. Um, 
so there are some interesting decisions though on this on this song, and I kind of wrestled with this version of wondering whether I was the is like this a new or version or is this the version from O? I didn't know this was on O. It, the, the, well, I first heard one by Damien Rice in 2004, mm-hmm. uh, and I was to understand that this is a completely re, uh, completely new recordings. Yeah, but did he just submit the one? I don't know. I don't know, to be honest. I mean, I wouldn't have a problem with that, just like I wouldn't have a problem with them slapping the Johnny Cash version on here rather than Damien Rice. I mean, to be honest, that I, would be I should better. have looked that up, but by the time I'd listened to this song once, I was exhausted. So you're not a fan of this, then? No, it um, kind of kind of just dragged. It It makes me think that the artists definitely didn't know what the other artists were doing. Yeah, which is not a bad way of doing it. I mean, I wouldn't have wanted them all to get together and make it more of a, a synergy, because Acton Baby's fine on its own in terms of it it works on its own in that way so i'm happy with it being very eclectic i just i felt all the way through that damien rice was trying to make this song more intimate mm. more soulful uh, and 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 that's the, that's the point it's it, everything in my review it's trying too hard it's trying to be this it's yeah. trying to be that and it's a pretty good song anyway pretty you know, pretty good it, well it hits deep yeah, you know it's maybe this was the hardest song to cover. Yeah, possibly. I think this is a, definitely a poison chalice for whoever does it, um, because I mean, not only have you got the original, which is great, but Johnny Cash has done a brilliant version of it, which is pretty hard to top. So I think what Damien Rice's idea was let's let's mess around with the formula a bit, and he switched around the perspectives of the song for the most part. So did you notice this when you were when you were listening to it, Tyler, the whole you and me thing? So a lot of the lyrics are being delivered from the opposite perspective. Mm. So um that's interesting, and it means that there's a lot of self-blame in this song now. Um and it seems a lot more guilty. Which did make me fe- think a lot about the lyrics, which I think is in its own way a small victory. I, d- I did think about the lyrics more because they were being offered from that other perspective. But it's not consistent all the way through which would have I think would have worked better and overall I don't think it's a success. I would have liked a band or electric duo to change up the style and well, just... imagine Daft Punk doing it. That is exactly what I wrote. Mm. That would have been interesting. Wouldn't it? <laughs> what you know Well maybe um, they were busy that I, day. I really like the I really like that Paul Reese put this album together and commissioned it and you mm. know and got it done. Uh but Paul, if you're gonna do it again, just let me know. You know, I've worked with the the French lads in uh, Daft Punk, uh, the robots, should I say? Yeah. Not French at all. Well, they are French. Not even from this planet. <laughs> um, but yeah, it could have been. It could have been a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, this. We could have been a lot better. Yeah, it's, it's sort of unremarkable as well. I I really don't like that piano. It really annoys me. The but but it doesn't commit properly to the. Da, 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 and it's really no, irritating it, to me. It doesn't connect. Every attempt it makes to be um, soulful just makes it less less so. I think, just to preempt something, a lot of people are going to disagree with us on this. Although not one person that we asked on Twitter marked this out as, as a really good version. So maybe maybe not. Uh, maybe the Twitterverse has spoken. Yes. Um, so Damien Rice, No. Until the End of the World by Patti Smith. Uh, I think this is the first time I've ever been happy to listen to a Patti Smith song. 
Ooh, biting. I, I am jo- I'm joking. Frederick's good. Um, Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, she's, she's making it her own, at least. Maybe not how I would have performed the song, but I think it, it, it has... Um, it has a rhythm, and it, yeah, it, you know, it goes, it's, it goes at its own pace, uh, very kind of blues roomy style. Yeah, you can see this being done in a smoky New York club, can't you? Yeah, that's exactly exactly what I thought. It made me think um, of artists like Leonard Cohen and, and Tony Bennett and mm. th- those old time great artists. And again, not a style I would necessarily mm. link to Patti Smith. Um, yeah, I, I I like this a lot. I don't have a lot to say about it, but I, I do like it, and it, it put good thoughts and imagery in my head. Yeah, I'd, I mean, I would never turn to this version first, um, but it does have a sort of sultry feel to it. Um, I like the fact that she has gone in a clear direction. Um, I really like the way she uses... She, phrases certain words so there's a there's a point where she where she says love you know during the whole bit where bonner would normally go in love 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 and doing a you know really big performance and she's almost kind of spitting it out a little bit it's it's really good touches like that although the central thing of the way that she says world that central motif i you know she's like end of the world yeah. it feels a little bit like a bad show tune at that bit um, but that's the worst thing I've got to say about it. I think it's it's interesting and it captures something of the original because I have that because you have that seductiveness in the song originally. It, yeah, don't you? it does sound unique and uh, and different from the original. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I really do like it. Unfortunately for Patty Smith, uh, I can't hear her name now. Uh, and I don't know if you'll remember this, but when we saw you two at Innocence and Experience, mm-hmm. Patty Smith came on stage yep. to perform People Have the Power at, yeah, the end good of version. The, at the end of the show. And we went to the uh, the toilet afterwards in the O2. This is a great anecdote. Go on. Uh, and there was a guy in there, and, he, and I will censor this, but this is the quote. Every time I hear I hear the name Patty Smith, this is what I hear in my head. Ugh, I could have done with Patty, uh, Patty One Hit Wonder Smith coming on at the end. Hmm. And I just hear that. Well, and do, do you take that guy's opinion as valid? No, but because I, I never really, I don't. I, I I suppose I have more of an opinion on Patty Smith now, but I I was certainly more than indifferent to her then. Hmm. Um. And now I just I think of her in my head as Patty One Hit Wonder Smith, mm. which I think is a hard, a very harsh criticism, and I don't think that's true. Yeah, but it's my it's like an earworm. It's my most distinct memory of her. Yeah, I remember that more than I remember people have the power. Well, my thing that I always think about with uh, Patty Smith is um, I think at one point Bono was trying to make a a nice tribute to her. And he was talking about his uh, rock heritage and forefathers and stuff. So, he, of course, he mentioned like the Ramones and this, that and the other. But I think at some point he said, and, and my mother, Patty Smith, and she had a response in the press saying, I'm not your effing mother, Bono. You know, um, Obviously, they have a good relationship. Yeah, but yeah. I think she was not particularly happy with being you know, called his mother. You know, like, um, But we all know Bono has mother issues. So 
I, I actually know a journalist who's in, uh, interviewed her and spent a morning with her, hmm. and she she's a, a, a wonderful human being, and I, I like it's really good when you I think when you have a friend who's met somebody famous, somebody particularly somebody you, you semi interested in, hmm. you do want to know you know what they're like, and you kind of want to hear the horror stories. You want to know who who's an arsehole, basically. <laughs> Um, but Patty Smith was apparently absolutely lovely and a lot easier to deal with than her manager, uh, her management, or you know the, the handlers, you know mm. the people that tell you where to be and at what time. They were apparently very strict. You will be here. You will be sat there. This mm. is what will happen. You won't ask these questions. Bloody bloody blah. And then Patty Smith came in and was absolutely fine. And you know it's kind of an access all areas. Just That's the best way around. You know, I just just acting. You know, ask me anything, do what you do what you want, and just very personable and, and great. And uh, yeah, kind of, I'm, I'm kind of very jealous because I, I, I think she is somebody I would like to talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I've, I've tried to listen to a, a lot of her albums, and I, it's, it's not really my thing. But it took me. Um, this would be a great interview, Patty. I don't like most of your stuff, no, and I'm that, more than that indifferent isn't to you, a criticism but... because maybe I'm just not ready yet. I think I've said before on the podcast, it's taken me about ten years to get into Ryan Adams. Mm-hmm. And now I can't stop listening to Ryan Adams. I think there is just... So, I always knew there was something there. Yeah. Something that I was interested in. Some, uh, something that that kept me coming back. And now I'd listen to Ryan Adams probably more than anybody else. Not mm-hmm. saying he's my favourite artist, but at, at this time in my life, he, the, his music is speaking to me. Yeah. Uh, particularly his material with the Cardinals. Um, so, so, yeah, it, maybe in 10 years' time I'll get it. You know, yeah. I, but there are a, a list of artists that I'll occasionally just go. Oh well, I'll try that again. Mm. Early REM, I can't get in. I can't get into. I can't do it. I've really tried to get into early REM after I've been told, you know, this album, this album are amazing. You know, and they're similar to you too. Still can't get into it. No, I, 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 I don't. It's not the penny's not dropped yet. Well, maybe when we're forty, we'll we'll give it a good go. <laughs> then fifty, then sixty, then seventy. But yeah, I really respect this version. Um, I think it's a good version, and I think. I think Patti Smith did uh, did it justice by making it her own. Yeah, and as I said at the start, I think she understood that original song to a certain extent, you know, and that is reproduced or reacted to on this. So yeah, thumbs up, Patti Smith. Sounds painful. <laughs> Who's gonna ride your wild horses covered by garbage? So. I'm a fan of Garbage and um, the band. I've got some out back if you want. Hey, um, and I really like the Bond theme that they did um, for... You, you're looking at me like it's a bad theme. For it's um, World is Not Enough. I think it's a great theme and it's it's up there, you know, with, uh, with, with some of the other ones. Ah, Mr. Bond. I'm just playing with my headlines. That's uh, Tomorrow Never Dies. Is it? Yes, and you're thinking of uh, Cheryl Crow version of tomorrow I, wasn't, I was thinking of Jonathan Price. Yeah, but that's the, okay, anyway. Well, that's the So it's the one with uh, what's his face? Robert Carlyle. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and he's yeah. he's got the bullet in his head. This is uh I I actually it's a would short like... film. <laughs> yeah, but it, uh, I would actually quite like to do a Bond <laughs> podcast. Um I've had a thought about this for a while. What would we call it? Bonding with friends, and we would have we would watch the films, and then we would we would have a brief podcast discussing the highlights and things like that. Essentially, doing what Alan Partridge does in a weekend, stretch it out to a year, which I have already done with someone, uh, Chris Fort. Hello, um, 
and I would like him to be on the podcast as well, but there's not an appetite for that, and I just don't have the time. Um, anyway, oh, garbage. <laughs> this is more like it, is what I've written first. Um, I was so um, enthused by this version that I was actually caught um, by my partner looking through the window, doing an air guitar to the chorus coming in, um, which is very embarrassing. You know, for that... Um, so the drums do that little thing before the chorus comes Were you in. upstairs or downstairs? I was downstairs doing some washing up slash enjoying this album. Right, okay. Um, so I got into it. I love the uh, I love the chorus change. I love the, um, the whole sound of this. My one criticism is that the drums and the bass are too quietly mixed, in my opinion, in the chorus. So when it should get a bit heavier, it doesn't have the impact that it should do unless you start messing with your graphic equalizers um it took me three seconds to love this song oh that's good uh it's sexy seductive dangerous down and dirty uh <laughs> garbage garbage are very well suited to this song they and i think garbage um to the credit have a very the, the sound is associated with the 90s um, they're very yeah definitely yeah that, that, I think that that was when they were at the the peak it's where they fit uh, culturally yeah um, just I, like Oasis fit there and I, I think that that 90s sound is something you don't really find on on this particular album of covers so it, it was a, a nice change of pace yeah uh, there are other bands that bring in other eras of music but I think uh, in, uh, particularly, who's going to ride your wild horses? Really suited Garbage's style. Yep. And uh, it's a really, really good version. That co- when the chorus kicks in. Yep. It's just, uh, it's something tangible. You can really, you can really feel that. It's uh, yeah. And you, they feel the song as well. They've they've clearly understood the song. I know it sounds a bit nebulous, but I think they do. Do you not think the bass and drums could be a little bit higher in the mix? It just it, they don't hit as hard as they should do, and it's not a matter of. I think I was I was too busy enjoying this to re, to review it properly. Playing air guitar like I was. Um, no, no, I was drumming. I was I was air drumming, and you know I can't drum, <laughs> but when I'm air drumming, I sound great. So Cruel by Depeche Mode. Um, I'm going to dive right in here. A few bands, I think, could be trusted to not completely balls this song up. Uh, the bongo-style beat throughout gives the song a brand new sound. It's a, I, I kept thinking it's, it's, it's very, it sounds very tribal. Um, but having said that, while I like this version, it doesn't seem to have the same appeal as the original. And I really wish it did, because I really do like Depeche Mode. Mm. Um I really feel like uh, it's an attempt to cover a song uh, as if he wrote it, like I was saying, you know, right at the start. I do feel like this is Depeche Mode's take on that song. Yeah, it's very Depeche Mode. Uh, there's very little uh, lent from you two. There's very little of those elements from the original song present in this. Yeah, um, definitely. I, th- I think this is very, very Depeche Mode-y um, and very Actung baby E as well to be honest like, I think if you two had arranged the song in this way on the album it wouldn't stick out at all I, I think uh, for Depeche Mode um, they may be one of the only bands on this album that were 
traveling through the same kind of yeah very much contemporary time frame as as you two yeah that you you're right there with you know being a, being a true contemporary mm. uh, the same appealing to the same kind of fans yeah uh, writing similar styles of music really yeah. competing um, in the same markets and having think, the same photographer and I think they are big big in the same areas in the world mm. um, and I, I do follow not that I'm a huge a, a big fan of Depeche Mode I've listened to a few things. Uh, but I do follow them on Facebook, and I'm always astounded at the the huge fandom there. Yeah, and it is uh, comparable to the to the fandom that I see f- with you too. I think you, with yes, it's in a similar sense to you too. You only properly see how amazing that band is live, really. So yeah. their DVDs are fantastic, and when you see how committed they are to their fans um, and the shows that they bring, it 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 definitely pops in a way that maybe doesn't happen on record. Um, and I think people who only know them from just can't get enough wouldn't appreciate really. No, I, I probably know more stuff of Depeche Mode from certainly the mid nineties onwards. Yeah. And I, and I put them in, in my realm of music and the stuff I'm into, I put them up the, I put them in the same category as uh, Pet Shop Boys. In that every album I listen to, every mm. new album they they come out that comes out, it's great, and I'm always amazed that it doesn't get played more. Yeah, because I, I think this is really really good music, and the and I, the only reason I can see that it's not being played on the radio is that these bands started twenty plus years ago. Yeah, and they're known for particular songs as well. The typecast. Yeah, and they've progressed so far from that now. Yeah. So, it, I I I have a, a huge respect for Depeche Mode. Um, I think, I I also have that respect. I think they're great, and I think um, I'd like to get more into them to be honest. Um, which is only my own fault. This particular version of So Cruel is very very abrasive. Um, which I think is great. It suits the whole mood of the song, and it's about that cruelty. Um, which is good. Uh, so I would say. Do you pre- well? I would ask. Do you prefer this version or the version that Bono does on "From the Sky Down"? Ah, uh, I wish I wish I knew you were going to ask me that question because I would have had a look at it, rewatched it. Uh, is this he's alone? Yeah, just him and an, an he, acoustic guitar. Yeah, he does that on the fly, doesn't he? Yeah, he does a cringeworthy version of the fly where he's um, throwing a lot of shapes that he used to throw in the 90s the last time I watched From the Sky Down which is when we reviewed Act on Baby yeah um, I think I really I think I really liked one of the songs and one of them I found I, I, I found very funny I think you would have liked So Cruel and found The Fly funny to be honest because there's, there's one where he, uh, where Bono keeps walking away from the, the microphone that's The Fly and like doing really weird strums of the guitar which aren't to any beat that I can consider. <laughs> is that the fly? Yeah, it's terrible. Is it? Is it really that bad? No, it's not terrible, but it's 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 mannered. But I think the point of Bono doing that is he's trying to recreate that um, identikit rock star that he had. You know, the fly basically. You know, he's trying to recreate that, and it doesn't work when you're what I moved, did, when you've moved on. What I did get from those videos uh, and those versions is Bono being Bono I didn't feel like there was a huge pre- any huge pretense there I think he was just having fun with it Yeah. Um, and, and I imagine that's the kind of thing that he does a lot on his own in his mansion yeah on his, on his own in his off time you know 
So that I, that's the impression I got. Maybe that's manufactured, maybe not. But mm. um, I, so yeah, saying blindly, um, I would say I preferred Bono's version of So Cruel because I felt this just went on a bit too much. And, and it's six minutes. It's and very De- long. And Depeche Mode have done a lot better songs. <laughs> Uh, I like it, but it's not setting me alight. I, you know, it's, I think it's a solid seven out of ten. Um, I, I will be honest; I expected more. I, I saw, I saw it on the cover and thought, "Oh, Depeche Mode, that's going to be great." Yeah. And I think because that that was my initial reaction, uh, I set my sights too high, basically. Okay, so that neatly brings us into the fly, as covered by Gavin Friday, a great version. Uh, but I feel like we've already discussed this quite a bit on the Innocence and Experience live review that we did. Uh, kind of. Um, although that did have re... Well, it didn't have re-recorded vocals. That was just it, the track that they used and then Bono would sing. Indeed, yes. Um, it, but this version with Gavin Friday singing... Um, now Gavin Friday comes from a very... He comes, he's from Ireland as well, isn't he? Yeah, the same area, yeah. Yeah, they grew up together, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and I think that really... That really shows. I just had to check that because I didn't want to sound like an idiot. But um, I think that really shows. It's possibly the most original cover on this this album. Okay. Uh, in in that it sounds, it's it's the most original piece of music. It's taken. It doesn't sound like the the prop the the, the real version of the fly. Yeah, it's torn it apart and then put it back together again. Yeah. Um, and I just got the ideas of Doctor Strange, Love of Fly, McFisto, the whole Zoo TV thing. It felt like um, someone was performing open heart surgery on a U2 song, you know, trying to, yeah, you know, trying to find the absolute heart of the song. Yeah, and, no, and I think I, it's a good way of putting it. And I think he did, and it, um, it comes across, and I think it could only really come across if you are a good friend of the band. Yeah, so you've not inhabited that that you, vibe. You know what they were going for. Yeah, and you and you just like it's kind. Of, I think he just kind of polished it up or or gave his version. Um, I love that breakdown in the middle where the song sort of stops. You know, they yeah, it's really really good. Uh, there's nothing I don't like about it. It goes at its own pace. It is its own thing, and it's a very addictive tune. Yeah. Um, possible criticism and a lot of people I stupidly looked at a lot of YouTube comments for this um, while I was going through the album because I was listening to it I just happened to be listening to it on a YouTube playlist Um, and a lot of people were saying is that Bono or is it not Bono so my criticism and maybe this is what you brought up before about them coming from a similar area it does sound quite similar in vocal quality to Bono possibly I can only say that I mean I know who's Gavin, what Gavin Friday sounds like, yeah. and I know what Bono sounds like. And at no point have I thought that that, that Bono was singing on this song. Yeah. Um. I mean, the clues in the track listing. <laughs> they they come from the same area. I th- I'm pretty sure you're not really a singer, but not uh, at all. But you. But I think if me and you were to sing this, uh, you know, sing the same song. And we played mm. it to people who didn't know the Wigan accent. They'd think we sound pretty similar, mm. and probably wouldn't want us to carry on singing. But there we go. Um, uh, there's nothing I don't like about this. It's so it's so so good. The song has presence. It really does have it. It's so it's its own little thing, and nice little finishing touch. 
which maybe gets overlooked is the you got like a high pitch bit of feedback pretty much all the way through. Yeah. Which I think of as a fly. Yeah, I did I did get that. I was thinking this is interesting, very like it does capture that buzzy sound all the way through. That yeah. is it is a good version of that for that. Um so yeah, absolutely great. Great version. Yeah. Well done, Gavin. Oh god. Um right. Um So the next song is Mysterious Ways. Give it a first shake. By Brace Yourselves, Snow Patrol. Okay. Now, is it me, or am I... Is this a bit of observational stand-up? No, am I the only person who winces when I see the name Snow Patrol? I I got into um, Final Straw, the album that broke Snow Patrol as a big act, when it was released, and I really liked it. About 2006, was that? Earlier than that, I think, because I was in high school, um, because I remember our band then, uh, I say our, my band at the time, which is called Three Screws Loose, uh, played a version of the song uh, Spitting Games. We, we sort of punked it up a little bit, and it was roundly received with, you know, wails of indifference um, when we played it live, but there we go, it wasn't the best version. Yeah, um, I, I remember being a band... God, what were we called? Oh, we were called the Raccoons, right? Um, after the um... after the cartoon, because it's my favourite cartoon. Yep. Um, and we were destroying Chasing Cars because it was the popular song that summer. Yeah. Um, so you can't say that you hate Snow Patrol really, going into this. Is really, I, I can. They, <laughs> they bore me to tears now. Uh, but you okay. know, at fifteen years old, you you like rubbish, don't you? I still, I still think Final Straw is a good, is solid album. Um, oh, there's something I forgot to say about the Fly. Um, <laughs> okay, the Gavin on. Friday version is my favourite version of the Fly. Well, I was ever. thinking this. You don't like the Fly in general, do you? So that's no. it's done a lot. That cover version has made you reappreciate the original. So yeah, I, I prefer Gavin Friday's versions to 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 U2's version. Yeah, there well, and that's high praise, isn't it? It is. Yeah. So back to uh, Mysterious Ways. Yeah. You're not the only person who hates this song. Um, so I mentioned before that I was watching this... Um, well, I guess I was watching. I was listening to this album via YouTube, and I thought, hmm, I wonder what people think about this version, because it's quite controversial in the direction they've gone. They they have completely changed up the song. So I'll just read out a few quotes. Um, not that we usually do this. So uh, someone has put, What a boring cover. Next comment, comment Damn it, Snow Patrol. A band that knows how to crank out some pretty decent bangers should know better than to remove a key element, brackets, the groove from a song they're covering. Thumbs down. Uh, sounds like me singing when I'm in the bathroom. Why is this happening? And then <laughs> someone else has put, weirdly, I don't dislike it. Oh no, I've put this. <laughs> these are my notes. I've put, weirdly, I don't agree with these people. I do not dislike this song. Now, I'm not saying it's the best version on this album, but he has a good voice. And the whole, just let me finish, the whole of this version is a lesson in restraint. It holds back in a way that Bono and the gang don't. From the start of the original version, it's, you know, it's groovy, it's fun. Whereas they've pulled back all the way and it never lets go. And I think that's interesting. It's a lot easier to restrain talent when you don't have it. Um, Claws. I mean, I'm not a fan of Mysterious Ways anyway, so I think... 
No, that that makes it easy for any band to cover this, I think. Mm-hmm. Because all they have to do is appeal to one of my many, you know, interests in music. And and you know, I do have a very wide range, ranging interest in music. You know, I'm mm-hmm. just as comfortable listening to Iron Maiden uh, as as I am listening to Enya. So <laughs> it's that diverse. It's that diverse, yeah. So this is dreadful. It's absolutely dull as dishwater. Uh, I I do appreciate that they changed up the tempo and went the opposite way of what most people would expect you to do with this song. That's why I think it's interesting, but, but it doesn't succeed like say Zoo Station does. But it's misjudged. It, um, it, and 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 like, how did nobody in the studio realize that this sucks? <laughs> like, you've got how many? Four or five members of Snow Patrol, mm. uh, and you've got probably two sound technicians. Guitar techs, drum techs. It's gonna be, I'd say, close to twenty people in this room when the when this song is being recorded. And no one said this is terrible. This is not the worst version on this, uh, or not the worst song on this whole album. I I I think you're being a bit too mean to it, to be honest. But I wouldn't. I would be interested to see what people think. I mean, genuine review, uh, you two and review two fans. What do you think about this? Do you know what it reminded me of? Go on. M people proud. Okay, and is do you, can, do you remember? That? So, what have you done today to make you feel proud? <laughs> yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Why did it remind you of that song? I, I think there's a similar, there's just a similar melody or sound in the, um, but it, it certainly reminded reminded me. And and mm. strangely enough, I could remember Heather Smalls, the lead singer. Yeah, couldn't remember the band name. Had to Google it to find out which band she was in. I mean, that's not Snow Patrol's fault. No, it's it's not. Um... But it's look, they've they've done something bold and interesting. I think. I am. I'm honestly surprised it's on the album. Snow Patrol were a bit bigger at that point, is what I would say to that. Um... Yeah. Let's let's move on. <laughs> Terrible. I, I think it's okay. Are you wrong? Well, that's my opinion, sir. And I would be interested, as I said, in the uh, Review 2 Fanarax opinion as well. So uh, let me yeah, know Yeah, if you, you do like this song, sorry for having a go. Uh, if you do like this song, just just send us a message on Twitter um, at Review underscore 2? I believe so, yes. Yeah, at Review underscore 2. Uh, and just let us know what you like about this song. That's that's all I'm asking. I just I want to see somebody else's uh, viewpoint. Yeah, and it might be a good point now as we're, well, over halfway through the album to say... Um, you can get in contact with us in any way possible. Tyler, do you want to reel off the usual things? Um, you're really putting me on the spot here. I've not, <laughs> I've not done this for a very long time. All right, listen then. Twitter, Facebook, Gmail. Yeah. Uh, the, the Gmail is if you contact. Can't, if you, <laughs> oh, the Gmail. I can yeah. do the Gmail. If you're one of those Revel type guys, you may like to email us at review2contact. Is it underscore? hyphen is a no okay <laughs> review if, to if you're one of those rebel type guys you may like to email us at review to contact at gmail.com see i was gonna say before it's great how facebook is <laughs> review to to you right twitter is rev underscore you two you can also follow me at review to tyler uh what else have we got is that it email facebook and twitter well the only thing I want to say is, and it might be a bad idea to say this now, is it would be nice to have a couple more um, reviews on iTunes 
Um, though, please don't. That's the review two podcast, isn't it? Yes, um, but yeah. please don't think about how professional this link has been. Think about the good bits of the show and talk about those if you're going to leave us a bit of a review. Thank you very much. Trying to throw your arms around the world, covered by the fray. Now, I mentioned before that it's probably good if we discuss whether we are fans or not fans before we talk about the songs. I am not a fan of the fray, and I will not be after this performance. God-awful are the two words that I wrote down right away. And I went to YouTube again, and people were backing me up on that. Awful, terrible. There are a few people who liked it, to be fair. Um, This is... I would say one of the lowest points on the album um, and it sounds in his vocal tone like he's a slurring X-Factor contestant slash reject. Um, there's nothing really that bad about the instrumentation apart from the fact that it is dull as dishwater but the singing and the singer is the main culprit for this version being tripe to be honest. What uh, do you think? I Neither am I a, a fan of the fray. Or I... the phrase from Game of Thrones Mm. Um, I couldn't name the phrase hit I don't know what they're known for The Red Wedding Um, did they do Hall of Fame or was that the script I think I'm I'm constantly confusing the script I think this has happened on the podcast before actually I'm the fray Um, but I'll be honest I like this ugh I I really um, I'm not saying I'm not going to say it's as good as U2's uh, because that would be a lie. Um, but I got a very David Gray, James Morrison, you know, kind of sound going on. Do you not see? Do you not see what I mean with the X Factor thing? It's generic and mid two thousands. Yes, that's it, what it I mean. It is generic and mid two thousands. Very I'll, Americanized I'll in a uh, bad way. And I know, and I know, in a lot of ways. Do you, do you know what? No, I'm not going. I'm not going to apologize for something I like. There is something in this version. There mm. is something that that works in this version, and I think uh, what they've managed to do is make it a mainstream pop record. That's what I hate now, about yeah, it. Yeah, th- that is what you hate about it. But in terms of music that's going to sell, you know, and make people money, which is it's a you know music business. It's a business. They're not doing this for fun. I think they've managed to do something that that probably would have would would sell. Um, well, excuse me for thinking that music is a higher art form as well. Like I know what you no, mean. No, in an ideal world, sure that that's what it should be. But I I think this works. I think I'm not saying it doesn't work in it that X Factor context. You know, it wasn't it wasn't turn off bad. It, well, it was for me, but I can see that this. I think this would appeal. I agree with you. This would appeal to most average fans more than a lot of other stuff on here and certainly more than the last song yeah. um, which I preferred the version of but all the great stuff about that original song the the like hungover feeling in it the tension the light touches the that odd kind of like feeling of of wandering around the city at four in the morning feeling terrible but also feeling lightheaded feeling happy and sad at the same time it's just turned into this horrible uh, X Factor style dirge and it's just, and the instrumentation is really, really boring. I tell you what I do like about this second side. Yeah. Um, so from, from the well, yeah. For, so from uh, mysterious ways onwards, um, 
in the in the good songs, the songs that I like, the good versions, I can hear a fan singing it. I can hear a fan writing it. I imagine you know Snow Patrol and uh, the Fray, uh, the Killers are up next, and and, and particularly with Glass uh, Vegas and Jack White. Yep. There is a passion there, which I understand because I feel that passion too. Yeah. And the the feeling and uh, the uh, how, as good as it would have been to be asked to provide one of these songs. You mean you? No, no. If they ask me, you know, I'm putting yeah. myself in the position of one of these artists, right? Ah, right. Okay, fine. Right. So uh, the feeling that I would have got from being asked to do that would have been, yeah, absolutely. That'd be incredible to do that. I love you too. I love yeah. that album. I love that song. I've really, you know, I can't wait to do that. As much as that would be the driving force for it, there's also a, hu- a huge onus on you to not f it up in a huge, huge way. Agreed. Because you, you know, you have to live with your version. Well, look at the comments on YouTube. You know, and 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 the well, actually, the comments for the freight are actually pretty good. Yeah, uh, that's what I mean, though. Like, you, with that last one, people will be carrying on judging this. I mean, we're doing a podcast about it. But more than you know, two nerdy guys sat in a basement recording a podcast. Mm-hmm. You have to live with that. And I hear in it's, with the with the phrase version of uh, trying to throw your arms around the world, I do hear the passion of a fan, and it's the kind of passion that I understand because I feel that too. I I feel like they have been listening to this song for at this point twenty years, and this is a song. This is something they've always wanted to exercise. Mm. And you two aren't the kind of band that you can always openly, you know, say, "Oh yeah, I really like you too." Because that just give, get, gets you a big uncool stamp, yeah, uh, in the in the mainstream music media. So this is a chance for them to geek out. So I really like this version, and I think maybe maybe it's not the most you know experimental, uh, and maybe they could have taken more chances. But I like it, and I understand it, and I and I when I listen to it, I do feel like I'm listening to another fan of you too providing their version and for that reason alone i can't criticize it oh fair enough i think that's it just comes down at the end of the day then to we just have a different feeling when we listen to it because i i feel exactly the way you've described about lots of stuff on this album particularly a track that's going to come up in a bit that i think really does nail that down but i just feel like this version maybe it's just the tone of it and the fact that he's slurring his way through it all, which irritates me as well. He's like, like, it sounds awful. That is how he sings, though. He's, I, I don't he's, like his voice. He's though. not putting a he's not putting a, a voice on for that. That is how he sings. Diction, dear boy. Let the words spring from your mouth with clear definition. That's what I would say to that. I really wanted you to mess that up, then. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I am awful at piss pronouncing my worms. Badum. Ultraviolet, Light My Way. My favourite song, I think, mm. on the top ten. I mean, you should know. It is your opinion. But yes, you uh, did put that it, on the top. It's one of two, you know. And my top three. Yeah, so, um, and uh, I think of, you know, a much-loved song around the world, uh, which has just found a new lease of life, thanks to the Joshua Tree. Yes, excellent, um, excellent version. Uh, so, obviously, being a fan of The Killers probably more so than anybody else on this album 
when I saw that the Killers had provided uh, not only a song for Acton Baby, but my favourite song, I was very, very excited. This is the song I couldn't wait to get to. Can I just chip in? I also felt that, because I do like the Killers, I love this song, and I thought, they will do a good job of this. Carry yeah. on. Um, to start, very cabaret. Hmm. It, it's not the strongest start, but I do like it. I, I agree that it's not the strongest start. Okay. <laughs> um, again, I hear that fandom that I've just gone on and on about. Uh, the first thing that really uh, gets me about this song is that that snare drum strike. It seems to mean something. It's got like this passion in it. It's, hmm. it's you, it can't it can't be ignored. It's like bang. You know, it really resonates and. Um, Every time like uh, Ronnie Venuti Jr. hits that snare drum, it's like a shot to the heart for me. It really, really mm. works. Uh, it's they have messed around with it a little bit. It's a mm. very different arrangement. Um, w- one of the things that has gone from this song is the bar chords and the very jangly harmonics that Edge would u- would use. Now, I imagine you don't like that. That's that they that that's gone. It's difficult because. Yeah, I'm just going to basically say, oh, I want them to do it exactly the same as the original, which would be pointless, wouldn't it, if it was exactly the same? Mm. Um, I, broadly speaking, don't particularly like the guitar choices on this song. I think it's it's a difficult one to do, but I'm not a massive fan of it. And I particularly don't like the the sort of stage show, big top, Samstown feel to the intro. I hate that. I think it, it starts a song off on completely the wrong foot. Because Brandon's there with his... You can almost see him as like a circus master. Sometimes I feel like, you know, like you just... Where's that nice depth that's in the original and that, that lovely free time bit with all the synthesizers? But then I realise I'm just saying I want it to be like the original, which is pointless. So I don't know, Tyler. I don't know where I'm up to with this song. You see, I kind of like that because it adds an irony to the song. You know the idea of somebody singing it at a circus, you know, mm. and singing uh, and singing it complete, putting no emotion into it. Yeah, because he says, "I want to get emo- it wrong," and it's like, the, "What are you talking about?" I want to get it wrong. <laughs> he, he does something like that. Which There's some good, dodgy that, singing. That's on gonna this sound. Pod. That's gonna sound awful because I'm <clears throat> really not warmed up and I'm nursing a cold. Do you want me to stick some reverb on it in post? Big time, yeah. Um, but I, I, what I I I think. That, that it's not the best start, but it gets it gets better. It does get better. Mm. Brandon's voice, uh, very different to Bono. Uh, Bono can sound very weary at times, and I think Brandon brings an innocence to this. True, which is um, again a different dynamic. Um, His ultraviolet is very good. I will give him that in this version. The yeah. bit where he's full throated singing of ultraviolet, which is obviously like the the hit of the song, that is good. Yeah. My only criticism is that I wanted them to really explode this song. Yes. I don't. Maybe I'm. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe people don't agree. But I see the Killers as being one of the few big rock pop acts yeah. under the age of forty. You know who? Um, they are. They're a band that can really hammer out a track. Yeah, and and bring that 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 thumping rock music. They can they can do and that. They can sell it to a live audience uh, at a big at a big stage. And I, I that's what I wanted for this really. Yep. Um. And, and and I think they fell short. Yeah, I think it's a good way of putting it. I I agree with that. I I mean, 
<laughs> I've written here, he sounds like he's heard the opening only once before and has the lyrics to the song on a napkin. Yeah. So I don't feel like he commits to it as much as he could do. Um, maybe that's his interpretation of the song. Maybe so. Um, one thing I would say is, if I went to go and watch The Killers and they were to play this song live, it would be a real treat and but I think they would try harder with it. Particularly now, I think they're going for a very... Uh, experimental phase um, the album they brought out I, th- I believe that the following year about six months after mm. this was Battleborn now I really like some of Battleborn mm. the problem with Battleborn is there's too many tracks on it it's how many is it it's too many um, <laughs> okay I, I don't know exactly but I, it, it's a long album uh, and to find some of the gold you really have to dig f- through the dirt yeah I, I don't like that I always think ten tracks Eleven is fine most of the time. I I would always I, always always um, prefer an album with eight good tracks. Yeah, it's too few for me. If if it's eight solid tracks, fantastic. Yeah, especially if they're like if some of them are over five minutes. I just think I don't know. It's a weird, stupid, um, arbitrary thing. But I think ten tracks you should have on an album. If you're going to mm. call it an album, ten tracks. Thank you very much. Well, you know, fair enough. Uh, but. I, I do I do love the version. I, I do go back to the um, to the killer's version of Ultraviolet. Um because I, I feel they they have an opinion of this song similar to how, you know, to to what mine is. Yeah, okay. Apart from the start, I think the fa- it, you do feel that he understands and likes the the song and knows the song very well. They had to make it their own. And mm. and I think they did that and I think they can live with this version. Although if they did it now, I think it'd be a lot better. Acrobat, covered by Glas Vegas. This is not a massive reinvention of the original, um, and it would have been very interesting, I feel, to hear an acoustic or deconstructed version of this because the original is very heavy. However, I think this version really fits. I think the effects are great on it. And I think this is a version we were mentioning before where we feel someone has a real passion for the song and understands it. This, to me, is probably the most emotionally invested... Maybe not. It's one of the most emotionally invested cover versions on the whole album. So the bit where um, we've got the line, the nothing makes sense, if you listen to that particular bit, I just think that sounds like a band and a singer that really gets this song. And I love this song and was wary about it because... It's such a great song. I don't want to hear bad versions of it. So this, for me, is a big hit. I think it's great. And I like Las Vegas in gem- in general. Uh, well, before I get into my review, I- I've got a question. Um, Go because I've got the CD of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I realised that the PlayStation 4 doesn't play CDs. Right. So I thought, right, what am I going to do? Doesn't it? No. That's bad, isn't it? Mm. Get so, your act together, Sony. So what am I going to do? How am I going to listen to this? Uh, and then I realised the only CD player I have is on my laptop, so I ripped it onto my laptop. Uh, and then in the Windows Media Player, terrible, um, it came up that this was a live version. Now obviously there's no crowd on there, but I am wondering if they just decided to play, you know, this at a, at a show and recorded, you know, what what's going through the desk. The desk. It doesn't sound like a live version to me. Um, no, I'm just wondering how it was recorded, that's all. Because that would change my review, if that's how they did it. Well, I think it's purposefully quite ragged, but but um, Las Vegas have that 
sort of style and roughness to the even the produced studio work and it's something that i think is great and works really well for them so um i don't think it's live i'm happy to be proved wrong on that but i don't think it's live interestingly and on a side note you know iron maiden (laughs) go on do you know how they record um everyone just plays what they want and doesn't really care about (laughs) what comes out very funny they'll (laughs) they'll have they have a studio which is a circle and they've got the they've got five booths Mm. for all the members who stand up right nico mcbrien is in the center the drummer yeah uh and so and they all play along at the same time and everything is being recorded so that you because they want to create that live effect yeah yeah they don't want to spend a lot of time in post yeah. So they all they're all in the booths and they they all control their own sound and everything like that, and then they record it like that. Yep. And I haven't heard of anybody else doing that. I think some, certain people do do that. Um, I think Foo Fighters have done that a bit mm. um, and tried to do more like analog recording rather than lots of digital stuff because it is a very different feel. Um, the problem is you've got to all play very tightly though, and if you mess something up, then. It's a, it's a real mess up. Would you like to hear one album of you two doing that? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. What I would really like to hear them do is for them to re-record Boy in that way. They won't ever do that, but um, no. But I would I would definitely like that because I think they got fed up with this um, even after Songs of Innocence was produced because you can tell they didn't like the way that they'd recorded Every Breaking Wave and a few other songs they said were a bit overproduced. Um which may have been changed if they played them live, but I don't see that working because of the way that Edge creates stuff in the studio and has that almost Brian Eno-esque concern with atmosphere and musical texture. I just don't see that happening. Um, and I wouldn't want to record like that if I was doing it. I would hate it. Kick him out of the band. That's what I'd do. What, the Edge? Don't need him. Mm. Can't have the band. Uh, so, Las Vegas and Acrobat. As I said, I think it's great. I think it works really well. Um, I love the guitar sound. They've not completely changed it, which would have been interesting. I would like to hear this song on an acoustic guitar rather than one, which has been done a million times on acoustic guitar. But this is great. I like it. Why does well does the singer always sound like a depressed robot? It's. Um, I, I don't think he does sound like a depressed robot. He does. He does. I think there's an apathy in there, which is a certain type of. I think he's doing like almost like a dramatic version of this, where he goes through lots of different emotions. I like everything but the vocals, if I'm honest. Um, and I think you know when you when you notice you don't like something, and then you just focus in on it. Yeah. And and it's all you can hear. That was the fray for me. Then I heard the Scottish accent. Uh oh. And then I couldn't take it seriously. No. Jesus. No, I'm a big fan of of Billy Connolly. Right. I'm wondering how many things, you, how many ways you're going to insult the Scottish people. Go no, on. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I don't. I don't want to. No, insult. they want to leave? Because it actually made me think. Right. Because I've never. I don't really notice people singing accent. But this is, you know, okay. Other than Las Vegas, the Proclaimers. That's the only <laughs> other band I can name. But There's I'm thinking loads of the Twilight Sad. If if you go around the world, do people hear the accent when people sing? Yes. Because I don't, I don't really hear an accent normally. Well, the thing is, everyone has an accent. Yeah. So, everyone has. There's no neutral accent. Well, obviously. Well, but then you are hearing the accent, aren't you? Like you can tell that that Michael Stipe sounds different to Billy Joe, who sounds different to Billy Joel. You know, it's it's accents are part of it. I think mm. it's just that we're not used to hearing um, strong Glaswegian accents right. on the radio, which I think is a is a 
it's a good thing that Las Vegas and other bands like say the Twilight Sad have that um, outlet, and it, it sounds great to me. Well, I, I don't, and I don't know if Billy Conley has has ruined this for me, but it just made me think. Oh, why do they do that? <laughs> Our listening figures are going to plummet um, north of the border. I think. No, I, I do like everything. Uh, um, everything apart from the vocals, it just it just didn't quite hit home for me. Um, and and that that accent thing is something I'm going to have to think about because I don't know why it's only just hit me that you know that I'm, you know maybe people notice accents. I think it's because we just don't have very many varied accents in pop music in general. That's that's one of the reasons why. That's a good point actually. Like, and the, and there needs to be more of that diversity in my humble opinion. Um, yeah. Now I'm thinking about it. I'm I've, I've realised how much of an idiot I've been. <laughs> um, Are you ready to apologise to Scotland? I, I, I look. I apologise to Scotland. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's move on swiftly. Okay. The final track is "Love Is Blindness" by Jack Black. Jack White. Oh, yeah. Very different version if it was Jack Black. <laughs> School of Rock version. Let's blind this! Oh, yeah! Oh, dear. <laughs> I don't want to see! Help me my guitar, Kyle! Right, okay, so... Um, <laughs> Terrible. Yeah, Terrible awful. Right, so, this was a song. Tyler's choking on his, uh, his coffee. His coffee, which is white, not black. Um... He manages to get it right when he's making himself drinks. So, this was the one that we had probably the most love for on Twitter. So, Simon Panaton, uh, he said, Jack White's Love is Blindness is up there. Carly McCarlface, assume that's not her real name, said, The Love is Blindness cover from the Perfume ad. The artist shouldn't impersonate, they should make it their own. Sorry about that, Carly. And G uh, says, at G underscore Man 07, that is, Says, Love is Blindness by Jack White. Nothing else by anyone else comes close. So, a lot of love for this song. Um, apologies if I've not pronounced your name correctly, any of those people. And and cheers for contributing. So, what do you think, Tyler? First of all, I'm not a fan of Jack White. Okay, getting that open out in the open. What about the White Stripes? Uh, uh, again, never really got into them. Um, mm. I like Seven Nation Army. But I'm a, it's a very passive thing with me. And, and, you know, and I respect Jack White a lot. Mm-hmm. I know he's a good musician. I just he doesn't really appeal to me. Well, I'll put my cards on the table and say I do like Jack White, although I much prefer The White Stripes and um, Elephant in particular is a phenomenal album. It's a brilliant album, particularly for the amount of money that they recorded it on. It's mm. brilliant. There's a really good video um, that they do. Which one? Hardest button to button with the drum kit moving around everywhere. Yeah, that, I need I, me in that. I really like that. Yeah. Um, but I'm less a fan of Jack White on his own, generally. Well, yeah, 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 fair enough. Um, so what do you think of this one? Raw, passionate, emotional, um, very angsty. Um, I, I, I like it a lot. It's somewhere I don't think many people could have taken this song. Mm. Um, so I, I don't, I, in fact, I don't think I ever would have thought of doing this song this way. Uh, the great musician that I am. Um, but it makes me feel, it makes it makes me feel like a hangover, like I'm gonna have a hangover in the morning. Mm. This sounds like a night out. It's really raw, isn't now, it? Now I don't drink anymore, mm. 
So that may tell you something about my opinion of nights out like that, but I, it, that's what it made me feel. It made me feel like, God, I'm going to pay for this. Yeah, it, <laughs> it, it rips your nerves apart, I think, which is yeah. which is really good for this for this song. I mean, um, my favourite version of this, which sounds like a cop-out, because it's not really a cover, but is Edge's solo version of it. Um, now, that is amazing, but this captures a very different feeling, certainly one that is kind of present on the original album, where you just have that feeling of love breaking down and how difficult that is and how you are just pulled in several different directions. Um, so I think there's really clever decisions all the way through. He holds back at the start. It's very bluesy and um, moody. And then when he lets rip, it's fantastic. And you can tell those are the bits that they use um, in the perfume ad. I don't know what perfume it is. And the Great Gatsby film trailer, they, they used it for that as well. Yes, I knew I'd seen it somewhere. Yeah, Really well chosen for that. And you've got all the... Um, and the solo for this particular song is made for Jack White's way of playing. It fits so well because he has that oh, whistling... Oh, it fits Gatsby really well. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. Yeah, it is, yeah. Well done, I whoever would, made that decision. I would have completely forgotten about that um, had, had you not mentioned that. No problem. Um, yeah, so it, it, it's really good and works very well. I, I love the fact that he has that whistling, cheap guitar sound all the way through and it captures all that angst um so yeah no i don't have anything really really bad to say about it the only thing i would say is i'd like slightly more reverb on his voice just a touch more see i don't really notice things like that you're not a nerd about production like i am are you so that's that's fair enough no um but yeah good good version a good version um and overall i will say a good album yeah so we're getting into our looking back over the whole album it's been a rocky one very up and down in places. Yeah. Um, shall we do a sweetest thing in a dirty day just for the sake of it well, on this one? Uh, is it an album or a flipping album? <laughs> well, it's it, it's a Actung Baby. The original is is my favorite album ever. So yeah, that's what a flipping about Actung Baby covered? It's not. No, it's it's a it's a. If I was being charitable, it's a very mixed bag. <laughs> it's a it's a free CD. Yeah. Um, but it does set the benchmark for free CDs. So <laughs> apparently, enough. yeah, uh, yeah. It's very, it's very good. But it, I'm it, really glad they did it. It's an album, uh, undisputedly. Um, but no, it's not a flipping album. No, As, um, and I don't think there are any free albums that are flipping albums. But I having, could be wrong. But this is an experiment that I would love to see done again. I mean, if they wanted, if someone, if they work through the whole of the back catalogue, how great would that be? I mean, you know, let's hear. Um, I don't know. Let's hear Mew doing I Will Follow. Let's hear Muse doing Discotech. Uh, do you want to throw it? Let's hear Stormzy doing Mofo. You know, what What? what would you like to hear, Tyler? Um, well, the aforementioned Arcade Fire and Even Better Than The Real Thing. That would be a really good one. Do you know what? This is a question I would like to just pose to everyone. Yeah. Send us some suggestions. Ideally, who... Uh, which covers would you like to be done by which bands? Yeah, um, from U2's back catalogue, basically. Yeah, that would be that would be really. I really like Ryan Adams' uh, uh, idea. He took Taylor Swift's 1989. Yeah, I think you mentioned this before. Yeah, it's and good. covered it in its entirety, hmm. and completely made each song as if you know he had he had written them, uh, which I think is a really good idea um, because not all music that comes out is particularly good, so. <laughs> I would make I I would probably be in favor of 
cover albums if they're good and add something new. Yeah, and I think this is people are realizing this is a bit of a knockabout and it's fun and it was a free CD, so I think that's it's a nice idea. Um, what track would the Jezebels do? Oh, they could do loads. They could do some really really good versions. I'd, I'd like them to do. I'd like them to do bad. I'd like them yeah. to do in God's country. Maybe wire. Love, love comes tumbling. I, re- I think they could do something yeah, fun with that. I'm hearing it in her voice now, really, really yeah. good. Um, okay, so a send us your suggestions um, either on SoundCloud, pop them on this section, or give us some suggestions on Twitter. So, what is your sweetest thing for this uh, cover version? Uh, my sweetest thing is Gavin Friday's "The Fly." That's a good version, definitely. It's better than you two's. <laughs> Mm. Um, Mate, my uh, my favorite is Zoo Station, and it's a bit annoying that the album never, for me, reaches those heights again. But that is probably the only one in this collection that I keep coming back to and thinking this is such a good. I think with a free CD, if you can, if you you know, if you can take one song away, then that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's think of our dirty days. Who is the worst on here? I can (laughs) guess who you're going to say. Go on. Mine is. Uh, Snow Patrol's Mysterious Ways and fun fact when we did the Act on Baby review Mysterious Ways was my dirty day well if that makes sense I guess so um, if anyone thinks I've been particularly harsh on Snow Patrol in, I have put them in exactly the same category as you two yeah. for my dirty day so there you, there you go Mine is the phrase awful attempt at throwing your arms around the world um, <laughs> and I guess maybe we should say as a disclaimer probably should have said this before we kind of have a bit of a license to criticise you too in general because we are obviously such fans and we have this well, we do this whole podcast. We might have rubbed people up the wrong way by bad mouth in other bands that they really like. Um so apologies guys, we are not experts on any of these bands at all. Um and, you know, it's a bit of a laugh, isn't it? Yeah. Our opinion. Yeah. So, um, it's, so- been, it's been fun to discuss uh, other bands and, you know, uh other artists but still, you know, keeping in the vein of you two. Oh, one thing I do want to say is um, Keith Walsh on Twitter mentioned that Elbow had done a very good cover of Running to Standstill, and I checked that out, and I did really, really enjoy it. I like Elbow a lot. It was a very traditional cover, and what I really liked about it was hearing the start and hearing um, the very northern Mancunian way of pronouncing up. So was, you know, Yeah, was, I, I've noticed so that when I've listened up. to that in the past. And it's just, it's just really pleasing, and it's a great version. Uh, so thanks for that recommendation. I hadn't um, hadn't heard that for a long, long time. Uh, I also wanted to take um, special mention, uh, uh, yeah, time special time to mention uh, you two now and then on Twitter. Yes, I was going to bring this up. Who um, sent us a song, uh, a cover of "Pride in the Name of Love" by uh, a artist called Barbara Dixon. Now, now I never knew who Barbara Dixon was until yesterday. And, you. and then I looked up her version of Pride in the Name of Love. And let me just say that it was a dark day indeed in my life. Um, I don't, I'm don't. i not going to say that that version was bad. No, it was Pride. <laughs> Same album. But it was... Pr- yeah, um, I could have done without seeing it. Pretty funny and pretty different. Uh, so I would, rec- I would recommend people go and watch can, that can we just play a little clip of it i know we don't usually do clips but i think we can do a 30 second bit of this in the background yeah all right go on i mean just to give an indication so you might be able to hear this i mean it's ropey to begin with isn't it 
We should have put this in, in post. It'll be fine. Unlike this. <laughs> it's... <laughs> I mean, it's Friday night down the pub, isn't it, really? With the karaoke. <laughs> Dear me. Sorry, Barbara, but it's really bad. Right, well, anyway, so thank you... Um, Thanks, uh, thanks, Neil, for sending us that uh, from you two then and now. Um, it was it was really really good to hear. Um, well, <laughs> it was good to hear from you. It was it's not necessarily. I found yeah, I found that really funny. So one of the other things that I mentioned, well, someone else brought this up, was a band called December. Now, brace yourself, Tyler. They're Scottish, so hopefully you'll like them despite that. And I mentioned that I really really like the versions that they've done, particularly of a sort of homecoming and I fall down and a few people brought them up and December themselves uh, got in touch just saying thank you guys for those, um, the kind words that we said. So I'm going to put a brief clip of the version of I fall down. Um, I've not asked the band about this, so we're not going to play very much of it. They've done a few covers, haven't they? A lot of U2 covers. Yes. Yeah. Um, And they are very good. So I'd recommend looking up December. The one one of invisible they did is is really good as well. Um, But this is one for I Fall Down, and it really um, breathed new life for me into that song, which I've always known is pretty good. But this is great. Sounds like the calls. Oh, I love the calls. Okay, well, it's a fresh, bold sound. Um, you can check them out on Spotify and SoundCloud. They're really, really good. And she's got a really powerful voice, which... To be, for a U2 fan, to hear a U2 song being sung really powerfully with a, a young, vibrant voice compared to Bono's voice, which like is... Like when we cover it. Hmm. Um, <laughs> it's really great, and I should stop speaking over it now anyway. Um, so so there we go, that's December, check them out. So, we've finished doing our roundup of Actoon Baby. Yeah, it's been really fun to like um, to do this actually good to be back on the airwaves yeah it's been good to do an album review as well because we've not done that for a very long time yeah well hurry up boys and release release innocence yeah so i mean, I mean experience it, um Stop. this this is a bonus episode it's very unlikely that we'll we will get chance to do another one um but we will do them when we can because we and johnny really do love doing this and i think we've missed missed this over the past couple of months um, but our lives are changing a bit, and it's just getting a little bit harder to do them. But we we will endeavour to do do more as and when we can. Mm. Um, but until December, which is only a couple of weeks away now, um, this is that's re- that's review two for now. Yep. So we'll see you uh, in a few weeks' time with our songs of experience review. Provided they actually bring it out. Uh, Nail biting times to be a U two fan. Um, but wherever you are in the world, I hope you you find something you love with songs of experience, and I'm sure you will. So, yeah, I've I've got big hopes for this album. It's going to be good. I'm yeah. trying to be positive about it. It's not going to be another No Line on the Horizon. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's going to be it's going to be great, uh, and we'll be there with you when it comes out. So yeah, mm-hmm. thank you very much for listening. We'll see you in a few weeks' time with songs of experience. See you then. Bye bye.
Hi there, thanks for listening to the show. If you'd like to get in touch, please contact us on facebook.com forward slash review 2 u or on soundcloud.com forward slash review 2 or search for the Review 2 podcast on iTunes. You can also email us at review2contact at gmail.com. Please like, comment and subscribe. Thank you.